Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, we are finishing today our series that we've been in on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the, the gift of prophecy and how that all of us, as the Apostle Paul teaches, that all of us as believers can prophesy. Did you know that? You can prophesy. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can prophesy. Amen. Let's just say that. I can prophesy. All right? This is, Paul tells the church, the Corinthian church, you can all prophesy. Amen. And so why is that? And he, and he says that the gifts that, that have been given to us through the Holy Spirit, and the 1 Corinthians 12 mentions nine specific gifts that are given to the body of Christ um, to edify the body, to strengthen the body. Uh, one of those is prophecy. And when he gets to chapter 14, Paul says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So there's something special about that gift that needs to see in in operation in the church. And a little later on, he says, desire earnestly to prophesy. So, and to prophesy means to, to, to reveal or to, to speak divine, by divine revelation. That's what it means, to, to offer the knowledge of God. And, and being used in that way many times is, is, most of the time, it's mysterious. Because you're not, you don't have any knowledge of what he has knowledge of in that moment. He just reveals it to you to share with someone who needs to hear that. And so we just have to determine to just be willing to give the message. Be willing to give the message. Not necessarily even have to understand it, but to deliver the message. Amen. And God loves to use us in this way and, and to reveal his knowledge to people because he knows the secrets of people's hearts. And it's one of the ways that God lets people know he knows them. I know who you are. I know what's in the very depth of your heart. I know that dream that's there, and I'm, I'm here to call on that and to let you know I'm in this with you. I know your fears and your troubles. I know the trials that you're going through, and, and it's in those moments. It's so comforting. I don't know if you found this to be comforting, that when he speaks right into your situation, knows right where you are, and you think, oh, my God. You know? Of all the people in this day or all the people in this service, God picked me out to let me know that he loves me today. And he does love us. And, and so he wants us to be agents of his love and to, to be conduits of the flow of his love, uh, not only to us, but through us to others. Amen. And so we talked about prophecy and how it, it's characterized by exhortation and comfort and edification to people. And it's God speaking to us. And it's a, uh, we're, we're emanating a divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God in it. And the book Revelation teaches us that, that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what, what is being revealed here is him and, and his love and his knowledge. Um, I love that. We're going to go today, though, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 3. And I, I, want, I want you to have an expectation of this gift working in your life and, and have it Desire. I love this. It doesn't talk about necessarily having to believe for it. It just says to, to desire it. Prophecy is easier than what we think it is. It really is. And if you'll just be willing and, and have a desire for it, the Lord will show you and, and use you in, in great and mighty ways. You know, sometimes you know that the Lord has given a word to you, to a person. So, you, you know, you might say something like, you know, the Lord has given me a word for you and this is it. Or sometimes it might just be in a conversation you're having and you're prophetically speaking and might not even be aware of it. But just say something, you know. 
and, and th- those, those kinds of things happen. I, I have heard from God so many times in my life in just an everyday average conversation. A person said something, and I thought, oh, Lord, yeah, that was you. You know, this person had no idea. They're being used by God. So just be that willing, ready uh, servant of God to be used in that way. But 2 Kings chapter 3, we're going to uh, go into this story. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. So we have two different kings speaking of here, a guy named Jehoram and a guy named Jehoshaphat. Now that's a name, isn't it? Now Jehoram is king over Israel, and Israel's capital city at this time is Samaria. It's called the Northern Kingdom. Israel has been split up into two kingdoms. And Jehoshaphat is the king of the Southern Kingdom, where Judah is their capital city. All right? And verse 2, And he, that is Jehoram, did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Now, Jehoram has some, he has a rough upbringing. I'll just say that. His mother's Jezebel. That's all you need to know. This kid is born at a great disadvantage in life. When your mama's Jezebel, you're in trouble. And his dad is Ahab, all right? Nevertheless, he persisted, but he didn't follow his parents' tradition. Now watch this. He persisted in the sins of Jeroboam. This is a different king. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, he did not depart from them. So I want to back up for just a moment and let you know who Jeroboam was. Um, this King Solomon, the son of David, we know who King Solomon was, the, the wisest man who ever lived and who built that great uh, temple, and, but also married lots of women. The scripture says he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, all right? I don't know how a guy has that much time, but and most, of that, most of that was for political reasons. Uh, he married uh, other king's daughters and things like that to keep the peace, but... Uh, Nevertheless, they began to influence him. Many of them came from foreign countries, therefore they served foreign gods. And that began to pull Solomon's heart away from the things of God and to serve other gods. And so as a result, God removed the kingdom from Solomon. But God had made a promise to his father David that he would have an everlasting kingdom through David. So there was a remnant yet to be secured through David's line because that's the line that Jesus came from, from David's lineage. And um, so Israel would soon then be divided into two kingdoms. And so there, this, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, as I said, the southern kingdom was made up of two tribes, two of the tribes, which are Judah and Benjamin. And all the rest of the ten were up north. And Solomon had a servant by the name of Jeroboam, that name that we just read. And, uh, but, but Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And so Solomon's son, after the kingdom divided, his son Rehoboam took over the southern kingdom and Jeroboam took over the northern kingdom uh, of Israel at that time. And he was a very evil king. The scripture says that he made Israel sin against the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38, you can see Jeroboam didn't have to do this because God spoke to Jeroboam when he became king. Now look what God offers to Jeroboam. This is amazing. Then it shall be, this is the Lord speaking to him, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. Wow, what an amazing promise from God. But Jeroboam didn't heed God. Matter of fact, he went a long way away. He, he constructed these two golden calves 
and, and told Israel that these calves now were their gods to worship and established priests from other tribes than the Levites. They were the only uh, priestly tribe that God ordained to be priests over Israel, but Jeroboam went and picked priests from other tribes and made his own priesthood besides them and rejected the Levites. As a matter of fact, as a result of that, the Levites went ahead and made their way down south to the southern kingdom and reestablished God's, God's laws and ordinances there. Uh, so he was, a, he was apparently, Jeroboam was Jehoram's hero. Apparently Jehoram had been reading through the annals of time, the, the previous kings, and he found Jeroboam and he saw that this guy was bad. I mean, he was evil. He's like, I want to be like that guy. And so Mama Jezebel ain't evil enough, apparently. We're going to go with Jeroboam. So he didn't follow his parents' traditions. He went in the way of Jeroboam. So now he's set up this whole system again, a whole counterfeit system to what God had set up. All right, look at verse 4 of 2 Kings 3. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. That's a lot of stuff. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. This is a good time for this king of Moab. He says, listen, we're tired of paying this tribute, 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. And he sees this new king come in, this, this new king named Jehoram, and he says, this is our chance to strike. Now, this had been going on for a long time. They'd been paying this tribute since David, who was 10 kings prior to Jeroboam. And David had whipped the dog out of Moab, took out two-thirds of their population, and the other third served Israel and paid that tribute every year. All right? So now Misha sees this opportunity. Now that Ahab, the big king, has died, and now they're going to wage war against Israel. And verse 6, so King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. All right, so now he's trying to hook up with the southern kingdom king, Jehoshaphat, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, which way will, you go, will we go up? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So now Jehoshaphat was a godly king. Y'all remember the story about Jehoshaphat, them uh, coming under siege of three different, um, three different nations that rose up against Israel. And then a prophet by the name of Jehaziel spoke up and said, hear the word of the Lord. You don't need to do anything. This battle is God's. He's going to take care of business. Stand still. You watch the salvation of God. So what they did is they, he said, now go out and face them, but they're not going to do anything. You're going to face these three different nations. They're going to do anything. God's going to do it. All right, so Jehoshaphat said, well, I guess the only thing to do is to sing. So they sang. They put the worship team out front in front of the guys with all the swords and the shields and all the fighting men and put the, put the choir out front. The choir's out there, and they sang something like, praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And that was their little song. And as they started singing this song, this, the Scripture said, the Lord set ambushes up against these other Nations, and, and two of them turned on one, wiped them out, and then they turned on each other. And Israel's just standing there singing, watching all this happen. Until every one of them were wiped out, so Israel just went in and took the spoils. Thank you. Listen, God knows how to fight for you. He knows how to fight for you. He's got victory. He has power to draw on. That's why the Scripture says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. Not by our might, not by our power, but it's by His Spirit. Isn't it interesting that a prophet brought a word? A prophet brought a word. And here, we're going to see that again. By way of Edom, he says. So, 
He says, okay, now Jehoshaphat, uh, here's the deal. God had, had uh, required of Israel, he had this principle for governing warfare. And you can read about this, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, where he talks about when it's time for war, that them to call upon a priest or a prophet to come and declare the word of God to them so that their victory would be sure. And so they're on, on the verge of war, Jehoshaphat had done that before. He had fought with Jehoram's dad, Ahab, and inquired of God first. But you notice here, he didn't do it this time. He comes down to Jehoshaphat and says, hey, we need help. Moab's rebelled against me. And Jehoshaphat immediately says, yeah, I mean, we have the common enemy. We're the same people. Let's go. This is a big mistake. He doesn't inquire of God. This is what God requires of Israel to do. And I don't know why this king forgot to do it. I don't know why he didn't think of that. But he didn't. He makes no mention of seeking God here. Look at verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army and no, nor for the animals that followed them. I want you to notice something. They did not inquire of the Lord. So what did they find themselves doing? Walking in circles. <laughs> you ever found yourself walking in circles? And then going, well, maybe I should pray about this. Kind of dawns on you a little later after you're worn out, after you're anxious, after you've been robbed of your joy, been robbed of your peace. You think, I didn't pray. And pray about this. And here they find themselves out there in no condition for warfare whatsoever. Now they don't have any water to drink. You got to have water. They're out in the wilderness. You know they're hot, they're thirsty, and they are worn out because they've been marching to war but they find themselves marching in circles. And now they're fatigued. Now they're out of water. They're out of a, a resource for, to be refreshed and to get energy. And now here they're stuck. Ah, watch this. And the king of Israel. Let me just say this, first of all. If you find yourself in that place, maybe today you're stuck in a situation or you feel like you've just kind of coming around this Mountain again and again and again. Two things you need to inspect. One, who are you hanging out with? Who's the company that you're keeping? Because the quality of your life in large part is determined by the people you're hanging around with. All right? And maybe, maybe you need to make some changes there. Hmm? Because you've got a future you're going into. And you can go into that future with the same old thing happening. Every day, experiencing the same stuff, going nowhere. And most of the time, as you can, if you continue to do that, all you have to hold on to or to talk about is what happened before. Hmm? And God wants you looking at what's ahead because he's got more for you ahead. And number two, did you pray about it? When's the last time you just took it to God? Just Maybe you've not really been thinking that way. Maybe you've been trying to reason your own ways and you've been beating your head against the wall when you could acknowledge him and invite him into your situation because he has the answer for you. Verse 10, and the king of Israel, now here's Jehoram, all right? Watch, watch with this king who does not regard God whatsoever. He set up this counterfeit system. Look, now all of a sudden, he has something to say about God. Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Isn't that just like people who don't know God? Huh? 
don't want to acknowledge him in any situation, and then when bad stuff happens, they're like, why does God do that? Oh, I thought, oh, now you got something to say about God. Oh, I see. It wasn't your bonehead decision that you made. It wasn't your stupid actions that brought you here. It was God somehow doing this to you. Okay. How's that working out for you, blaming God? God, you know, and people, even even Chris, I hate to see Christians acting like that. You know, acting like they don't know God. Don't know His goodness and, well, the Lord must have a plan, I guess. Yeah, He does have a plan. Get in the plan. Quit being stupid. Quit blaming it on His sovereignty. Amen. Well, God's in control. You didn't give Him any control here. He's not just going to take control. He's in a relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Remember, y'all remember Scott Boney? He was on our staff. Now he's pastoring. He and Chris were pastoring a church in Louisiana. <laughs> Years ago, he used to drive this old beat-up pickup, and it seemed like it got more beat-up all the time. He had a bungee cord holding the hood down, and uh, he had a bumper sticker that said, Don't worry, God's in control. And Heather told him one day, she said, you got to take that bumper sticker off your pickup. That is not a good testimony. If God's in control of this, we're in trouble. (laughs) Now listen, you can either identify with Jehoram when the trouble comes. Start pointing the finger and saying, why is God doing this? Or you can identify with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat has a whole different response. He knows God better than this. Now watch this. But Jehoshaphat said, verse 11, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? You know what? We don't need your little crybaby fit over here, king. We need a word from God. All right, we are at our end. And you know what? I just woke up. I forgot that we were supposed to do this back home. But, you know, I learned something about God. He's merciful. Even though we've made these dumb decisions, and we've gone this thing with... Without even acknowledging him. Now's the time to acknowledge him. I know he'll be here for us. You know, the, the script the Bible tells us, continue. You read throughout the Old Testament, Israel just rebelling, rebelling. And God would just say, just turn to me. Just turn to me. I'm right here. Just turn to me. Just look to me. Just turn to me. All right? Jehoshaphat knows this about God. He says, is there not a prophet of God? We need, we need somebody to speak the word of the Lord here. God knows what to do here. He got an answer for us. Now watch this. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha is here. Think about this. Elisha, the prophet, has been there the entire time. There's no mention that he was even with them. It's just those three kings that are walking about on that roundabout way. And Elisha's in that entourage. Why isn't the man of God being mentioned here? Because he's not being acknowledged. He's just patiently walking around with them. Wonder when these guys are going to figure this out. Been there with them, and look what they said about him. He washed. He poured hands on. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. Those are his credentials. He poured water on Elijah's hands. This is all you have to say about Elisha. Look at the next verse. Look at Jehoshaphat. Then says verse twelve. The word of the Lord is with him. Oh, he poured water on the prophet's hands. God's with him for sure. How, do, how does he come to that conclusion? 
Because Elisha at this point is still pretty early in his ministry, but there's been some amazing miracles happen already. He watched Elijah be taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. And as Elijah was going up, he threw his mantle down, which was his big cloak. Elisha catches that mantle, and they crossed over the River Jordan to, to get there. And when he was heading back, he slams that mantle down on the, on the shore, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And the water goes, and he just walks through on dry ground. Why don't they say, Elisha, who split the Jordan in half, is here? Now that makes sense. I'd be like, yeah, God's with him for sure. He'd also been brought to the city because their water had been contaminated. And, and, and so he got there and said, I want you to bring me a brand new bowl and put some salt in it. And he went down to the head, uh, the water's head, and he poured that salt in there, and, and the water became pure. And he spoke the word of the Lord that no disease, no plague would come out of that water again, and it, it became clean and saved the city. Yeah, yeah, I would say the word of the Lord is with him. He washed Elijah's hands. My family, it just doesn't seem to matter what level of assignment or service, that that is a mark on your life that God is with you when you're in the service of God, no matter how small or no matter how great. The only testimony he has, he washed Elijah's hands. Ah, he's a man of God. Listen, your humble service in the house of God, in the purposes of God, if you'll just give yourself fully to it and understand that it's greater than just the task itself, there's something phenomenal happening in the kingdom of God when you show up, when you shake someone's hand, when you open that door and greet people, when you change diapers in the nursery, when you clean the church, when you volunteer here and there, whenever, you know what I'm talking about? When you pass the buckets and when you sing on the team, every part, God is in it. And that is a door for you to have access to, mir to miracles, to the supernatural things happening in your life. He washed Elijah's hands. The word of the Lord is with him. Now watch this. Uh, this is so good. So the king of, of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, he's looking at Jehoram, remember, what have I to do with you? Why don't you go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? I love that he takes a moment to jab him just a little bit. All right? Kind of makes fun of him a little bit. Why don't you go to your false prophets? But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them to the hand of Moab. Again, same old thing. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Thanks for calling me a little bit late, but you called me. Thanks, Jehoshaphat. I would not look at you nor regard you. In other words, you have no time for me. You have no time for God. I wouldn't give you the time of day either. But because this king, who actually does fear God, is here, then I'm going to stick around. But now, bring me a musician. Bring me a musician. Why is he calling for a musician? I thought, it took me a while to think about this. I think, what's a musician going to do in a moment like this? He's going to help calm this man down. He's ticked off. I mean, he's been walking around watching this. And don't you know, he's a prophet of God. All I, got, I got the word of God in me. And he's watching these knuckleheads walk around, act like not even regarding God in their situation. And, and now here they find themselves stuck. And then this king of Israel who doesn't regard God has this terrible opinion about God and, 
And now the prophet says, I need a musician. I just, I just, I just need some time. You know, sometimes you, you put on that perfect song, right? Huh? You know what I'm talking about? I'm the only one that the music moves me like that, you know? Like, just, just put on some Metallica and calm down. Amen. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Why don't we get Faith come up here? Let's call on that musician right quick. Bring me a musician. And the scripture says, look at this. As the musician played, when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. You know, it's one of the reasons why we do praise and worship before we preach, before we bring the word. That we spend time blessing the Lord and get our hearts and our attitudes and our lives lined up and kind of realigned. We're remembering that God is great, speaking of his goodness and his bigness in our lives and his glory. And it prepares our hearts to receive the word in a greater way. And as the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now watch this. This is beautiful. These guys need an answer, right? They're stuck. They've got three nations about to pounce on them. Or not, not three, they've got one. They've got Moab, who has been a formidable foe of Israel for some time. And now they find themselves out here, no resources. They've come to the end of their own strength here. We need God. The prophet, they finally call on the prophet. All right, they're getting things lined up like it needs to be. Bring me a musician. The hand of the Lord comes on. Here it comes. Here comes the word of God. Here's the word for you guys. This is the word that's going to set you free. This is where the breakthrough comes. This is where the victory comes. All right? It's in that word. Now look what he says. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. That's it? Are you kidding me? Make this valley full of ditches. First of all, we're burning up hot. We're parched. We just need some water. And we're tired. We need a nap. And you want us to go dig ditches? It says make them full of ditches. Don't just dig one. Fill this valley full of ditches. This is God's word. This is where your victory comes. This is where you... See, when God speaks sometimes, it's just so far over our heads. It's so far out of left field sometimes. Like, do you know where I live, God? Can you really see my situation? This makes no sense. Uh, it doesn't have to make sense. He knows. He has a plan. His ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And you have a choice in that moment to believe the word, to believe the prophet, or to just keep living life the same old way. Make this valley full of ditches. Now look what happens. That's not the end of the word. But For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that your cattle and your, you, your cattle and your animals may drink. Whoa, okay, you're going you're gonna to do this because water's coming. But it's not coming in a conventional way. It's not coming like you've seen it before. I'm doing a new thing here. This is going to happen through supernatural means. Now watch this. Verse 18. And this is a simple matter. Wow. In the sight of the Lord, He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Hey, I don't know what situation you're in today. Right now you're stuck. Right now you're in darkness. Right now you're in confusion. Huh? I want you to say this with your mouth today. This is a simple matter for the Lord. 
This is a simple matter for the Lord. Come on, believe that word today. You need to grab that word right now. This is a simple matter for the Lord. This is a simple matter for the Lord. This is a simple matter for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a simple matter. And it will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Look, verse 19, we've got to finish this up. Also, you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, stop up every spring of water. Man, you talk about taking some vengeance out on these guys. And ruin every good piece of land with stones. Verse 20. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. Who's offering the grain offering? Israel is. They're offering up an offering to God. That suddenly water came by way of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Suddenly. Hey, I don't know what God suddenly is for your life, but it's coming. And it's coming in a supernatural way. But I want, to, I want you to grab a hold of this word. No, understanding that's a simple matter. And it says they offered up an offering. Well, what's the offering that we offer up? What's the sacrifice we offer up today? The scripture says the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Come on, why don't we just stand together right now? Come on, offer up praise. Offer up praise for that victory that's yours. Offer up praise for that breakthrough right now. Hey, this is a simple matter. Believe the word. Trust God. Thank him for your breakthrough. Thank him right now. Hallelujah. His is the kingdom. His is the glory. His is the power in Jesus' name. And it's not by might, and it's not by your part, but it's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. He's going to make this happen today. Hallelujah. Let's continue to read. Watch this. Watch this. This is powerful. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. So they got everybody that could possibly fight uh, ready to fight against Israel. Next, verse 22. Then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water. Remember, all those ditches filled up with water. They see all these puddles out here. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. Why? Because that morning sun is reflecting on that water. So they see red. This is amazing. Verse 23. And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil. Let's go get their stuff. Oh, not so. Verse 24. So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. In just a moment, what God did confused the enemy. He thought he saw something. What he was looking at was his own defeat. In this moment, I want to call on you today to come forward. You need that breakthrough in your life. You need that Word of God to come through right now, to break through into your situation and to bring change. Come on, just come now. I want to pray for you today. This is your moment. Uh, we're not looking back. We're not, we're not doing the, the, the roundabout way anymore. No. We got a word from God. And thus says the Lord. Listen to him. If you'll just do what he says. Just do what he says. Just take action on his word. Mm -hmm. First is to believe it. Jehoshaphat said, Believe in the Lord and you will be established Believe his prophets, and you will prosper. You will prosper. Amen. 
Believe the word of the Lord today because the Lord is bringing this to you by prophetic utterance today. This is a simple matter with the Lord. Believe that. Believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you right now. Thank you right now. We invite you, Spirit of God, here right now. As these have come, they've responded to the word. They're saying, Lord, thank you for the breakthrough. We believe the word today. We will follow you. We'll do what you say to do. We trust you above all. We know that you are the God of more than enough. You are the great healer. You are the great provider. You are on our side today. Amen. And so our circumstances, our situation is going to change now. In Jesus' name. Say this with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In my life. In my situation. As it is in heaven. As a citizen of heaven. I declare it to be done. In Jesus' name. I believe the word of God. I am persuaded that he is able to do what he said he would do. In Jesus' name. This is a simple matter with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.